Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 214 and this episode is with S&C and sports scientist Mikawai Pujdak. Mickey came on and we discussed some of the differences in the approaches he's seen from coaches, uh, Spanish coaches, Italian and English coaches around S&C and also how that has informed his practice, how that has developed him as a coach, what he's taken from those coaches um, and those approaches as well. We also discussed some of the biggest impacts he's made in his career with the women, women's team at Watford, some of the things that he's put in place and some of the results he got off the back of that as well. And then also the same on the men's side, some of the things he put in place with the, the men's academy as well. And then we touched on his thoughts around data within the rehab process, which is really interesting too. So there's, there's plenty to take away from in this podcast. There's also loads of gold right at the very end of the podcast from some of the questions we ask at the end. So make sure you stick around for those because I'm sure you'll take plenty away from some of the answers that Mickey came up with on the end of the podcast. Just before we get into the podcast, I'm gonna say a huge thank you to our sponsors. First up, Hytro Training. Have you ever tried blood flow restriction for recovery? Hydro have developed the world's first BFR wearable, unlocking the recovery benefits of BFR to support athletes. BFR is no longer just for one-to-one physio or rehab. Hydro allows teams to use this safe and scalable sports BFR device post-exercise to dramatically enhance recovery. Whether in the changing room post-game, during away game travel, in the hotel, or at home, Hytro has created a simple and effective tool that allows BFR to be delivered to athletes and squads simultaneously, safely and conveniently than ever before. Check them out at hytro.com or you can email Warren, that's Warren Bradley, on warren at hytro.com to find out how Hytro BFR can give your athletes a competitive edge. And it was actually something that came up in our WhatsApp group for our members, our community members this week, discussing some of the methods that they use with their players and also personally as well with their training um, around Hytro and the product. So go and check them out at hytro.com. Also a massive thank you to Rezzel and let's get into episode 214 of the podcast with Mickey Pujdak. Rezzel is the world's number one virtual reality sports trainer. Whatever your team, your sport, your ability, improve your game and train like a pro. Reactions, performance, accuracy, stamina, resilience. Train at home in the Rezzel Sports and Fitness VR Training Arena. Search Rezzel, R-E-Z-Z-I-L. The world's number one virtual reality sports trainer. Available now on MetaQuest. Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. I'm delighted to be joined on the podcast today by Mikawai. Mikawai, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. That was perfect. Great accent. Was it? <laughs> yes. That was only after one practice as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mickey's okay, is it? Yes, yeah. Mickey, you can call me Mickey. Perfect. Mickey, how are we doing? Well, I'm actually at the training ground at the moment. Uh, just been in this session. We're playing tomorrow against Reading. Okay, perfect. Have uh, things been going okay? Yeah, pretty well, thank you. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for coming on. 
This one's been coming for a long time now. I've been hounding you on social media to try and get you on. So I appreciate you freeing up a bit of time for me. Um, we've got a few different topics to get into, but I, anyone watching on video will probably see the club that you're at right now. So we can get into that in a second. But can you give us a little bit of background on yourself? So uh, I'm originally from uh, Poland, uh, from a relatively big town in Gdańsk. And I used to play as well um, to a semi-pro professional level at Bekak Gdańsk. For those who follow uh, World Cup in Poland, uh, they, they, they used to play games at that, one of the stadiums as well. And then um, some points, um, obviously because of injury, I don't want to say I was a good football player, but of course, shit in football, that's why I went to a different route. And uh, started my uh, journey in SNC and rehab. Um, and then at some point, because of um, actually my brothers moved here early into the UK, I had a, had a chance to visit him. And uh, he was already in football. And I thought, oh, I want to be part of this. This is brilliant. Like just different culture. It's so professional and just different, different level. And uh, I was looking for an opportunity to, to come down here and start um, start uh, the education. And then start my journey at the University of Derby. Um, did my BSc. Um, did an internship with Derby County Academy as well. Uh, and then um, work a bit for game changing performance as well in its Midlands and then moved to London to do my MSCA uh, at Middlesex University in sports science as well. Uh, sorry, MSc. Uh, and then just looking for the jobs. I started in the lab and then um, there's that opportunity came out with the women's team and then started with the first team women's team in under 20, 23s. Uh, and then within within a year, uh, because of a good relation with the head, with the head of um, performance and medicine at the time, who also worked with the academy, and it showed some potential in me and um, what I was doing at the time. Uh, it worked for us as well. Uh, I managed to improve the injury stats and, and the performance of the players as well. Uh, and then got got um, got invitation to to support them during the preseason in the academy. And after preseason, they offered me a part time role, and then that changed into into full time at some point. Uh, and now I'm. Um, Predominantly with under 18s as a lead SNC C coach at Academy. Also had a, a couple um, a couple of weeks with the first and when I help out there um, during the pre-seasons, uh, like testing and monitoring and prehab sessions. Um, you had Lee already on the podcast, so yeah, I was helping him. Yeah, that's pretty much pretty much about me. So in terms of time scale, Mickey, how long you've been at the club? Uh, so with Watford, it's I think five years already, five seasons. Oh, so it's going to be my sixth season, yeah. Okay, awesome, real. Now, I want to discuss your experiences um, working with a different different coaches and different sort of cultures and looking into different leagues and how different clubs prepare. So we're going to discuss some of the differences between uh, the Spanish, Italian, English way or approach to SNC. So what sort of stands out to you when we talk about that? What are the differences? I think um, there's always good bits from everyone. And what I'm trying to do always is just to talk to people and have a chat about what their experiences got and what they're good at. And, and just, you know, because are we laughing? But uh, people always say that um, Polish people come here to steal their jobs. So I'm here to steal everyone's ideas, basically. That's what I'm doing. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's what I was doing for almost 
five years, basically just talking to people and um, having that exposure of a, of a Spanish, Italian um, philosophy and in English colleges, obviously. Um, and obviously having a background in Poland as well and playing football and maybe a bit different approach, maybe a bit more old school, uh, less scientific. Obviously, time's changing and now they're different um, position to what I experienced as a player. Um, but just picking up stuff in terms of, let's say, the football conditioning or periodization, um, some bits from, from Spanish and Portuguese coaches. Uh, and then um, in terms of, like, let's say, the SNCB in the gym, I think the, the organization, from my perspective, and the structure is pretty, pretty high standard in the UK. Um, that's something that every league could learn from, um, from, from the Premier League. In terms of the backroom staff, the organization, uh, the medical structure, sports science, SNC, and rehab side of it, I think this is very, very developed. Um, and also just borrowing staff from different disciplines um, and practitioners coming here um, to present um, to the UK. And I think this this is very, very good for me. And then in terms of the progress and, and the learning that um, I think it was actually a massive progression because I had a chance to listen to people that works at a top level from all over the world uh, and just picking the bits and trying to implement in, in our program and what we're doing here in academy. I think any coach worth, worth anything at all will fully admit that a lot of the work that they do is stolen or slightly borrowed from other coaches, isn't it? And that's, yeah. that's how we have to go about it because getting... Um, exposure to different practices, different coaches, different ways of working is really important, isn't it, to, to inform what you do on a daily basis. But with those experiences in mind, how has that informed what you do? How has that developed you as a coach? And, and I suppose tying on to that, what, how would you define your approach, your philosophy off the back of that? I think I think because when, when you started, I mean, at least that was that was. Mike, and I thought already after university that, you know, I was clever and I knew everything. And obviously you realise when you go into a, a professional environment that, you know, you have to work with people and sometimes what you put on paper doesn't work uh, and you have to adapt based to a different styles or people's backgrounds. Obviously, at the, at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is just provide the best service to the players. And sometimes, you know, you might disagree with the philosophy or the methods that have been used, but you just have to give them some time to maybe okay let's let's try it maybe that's something you maybe you will see some improvements in, in, in the performance or maybe injury numbers um and then or maybe there's some research that haven't been translated into english that i haven't read and maybe they've got something that you know that um that was something in spain or portugal or italy that we are not we don't know about uh, and I always try to first check because if I don't know about something, I can't really have an opinion. Um, or I can have an opinion, but it's not a very informed opinion. So I usually try to speak to people, ask them for research, then go back. Okay, I've got a bit more understanding about it and then go and see what they're doing. So like with our festive, for example, something new that i never seen before was the Versa Police or ISO Notion technology that can use extensively by one of the head performances. Um, and obviously that philosophy were changing based on whoever came into the club. Um, some of them might use more traditional strength training. Obviously, you, you obviously look at the, the players as well and 
some of them want more uh, traditional strength training. Some of them are more keen towards diverse pulley stuff because obviously the, the the massive difference in terms of the or the mass like the big how big the squad is. And obviously you've got players from different backgrounds. Some of them coming from uh, South America, some from Spain, some from again from Italy, France, and they've got just different backgrounds. So at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what method you're going to use. Is the, the, the performance uh, on on Saturday, and whether they're going to win or not. So it's just adapting those styles to that we're going to suit to the philosophy of the head coach and also uh, the players they're working with. And in academy, obviously, we got a bit more. Uh, we've got a freedom in terms of what methods we can pick, but there is a certain structure to it, and we're trying to develop the players. So we're using those that actually we, we know that works and, and the basics that are pretty good but not they're not really fancy um and but there's always there's always a space for trying new things if you if you let's say see if you had someone talking about certain like a, a new idea maybe oh maybe we can we can put this in or maybe we can slightly change the program of one of the players and we will see a bigger improvement and that was something that I had an opportunity to try within the rehab space with, with players and then implement into the whole team um, based on case study with, with just one player. Um, and then most of the times it actually work and most of the time it actually players benefit from it. Uh, sorry, that's the light. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just trying different, uh, different philosophy. Every, every, every conference I went to um, had something new for me and I, I remember um, after, let's say, working with one of head coaches and having maybe not, uh, like the, the relationship was really tough. And then obviously we, they had different ideas in terms of what you'd like to do. I had some ideas they want to implement and sometimes it wasn't working. I went to a conference and listened to one of the guys that used to work at Manchester United and uh, he used to be an SNC, but he's now a football coach. And he said like, you know, sometimes you believe that this is the only method that you should be using in, in your approach. But actually, based on his experience and what he, what he said in this talk, he said, like, well, we've been doing this and it doesn't make any sense from an SNC perspective. And everyone probably in this room would disagree with it. But actually, we're winning titles and that's what matters the most. Um, yeah. No, it's, it's interesting. There. The sort of phrase that comes to mind for me is I think it's strong views or strong op opinions loosely held. So you yep. have a philosophy, don't you? But then you're also open-minded enough to see something and get into a discussion on why someone does it. And it's a result, a first team environment's a results game, isn't it? Obviously, academy, a little bit different, a little bit more around development and education of players. They're maybe not, like you're talking there about players coming in from different leagues and different backgrounds, different cultures that I'm sure you'd learn a lot from. Um, yeah, we obviously, because of the age, we've got less less diversity within the squad. Most of the most of the boys are also because of England's coming out from the European Union. Uh, there's more English English boys in our in our academy. Unless obviously yeah. someone who grown up here um, has come back. Most of the players are raised and born here in the UK. So obviously a bit different uh, different um, different issues that we're dealing with on a daily basis than say first team who's got a bit more variety and diversity within the within the squad. 
How have you found that as an experience, though, when you have got a player from a, from a different background, maybe when they're coming in? Because you talked about the approach that we take over here to S&C, um, it being quite established. Players are generally now pretty used to having gym work as like a, a big rock in their um, pre- preparation, whereas there's probably a lot of other countries and cultures that don't have that. So have yeah. you had much experience of players coming in from that sort of background where you've had to educate, but you're also trying to fit them into a squad environment that a lot of people are used to it? I think, so before, obviously, because we had players coming from abroad as well, um, but most places, they were kind of used to that gym culture and they were actually pretty good with it. Obviously, different in, uh, gym history, um, Let's say whenever we had actually players from Spain, um, not many actually had a, a gym history. Uh, but I think now it's changed because of the uh, you know, the conference that Barcelona puts on. People are going there, and obviously you got massive opportunity to network with others. And I think that kind of leads into that exchange of knowledge. Okay, this is what we do in academy, and they also start to think, okay, maybe um, maybe we could change something and do it differently. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how it is in you know, in terms of obviously I'm not saying that it's everywhere in Spain but obviously you've got some players who probably didn't have that exposure I've heard in Barcelona programs they don't they do it differently um, which is fine like nothing wrong about it um, and probably on different clubs they got a proper gym access and, and they do it differently as well um, but that, that was something I noticed when we had players from Spain um, and then they usually also use very light weights um, or a bit scared about uh, lifting. So and with, with that in mind, Mickey, like what would be what would be your approach to that? Because obviously everyone would be a little bit different. You'd, I know some coaches would probably try and push their approach quite heavily in that in that instance. Or would it be a case of sort of meeting them where they're at and, and seeing what they've done? I think obviously when they're coming in and when they're trialling with us, um, it's just a time about, you know, having, get to know them. Obviously, we usually try to ask them some questions about their, their uh, history in terms of injuries and the medical side of it, and also the SNC history and what they've been doing before. If they haven't, then we'll just put a simple program for them and then see whether they understand um, anything. But um, most of the time, it, there's no issues. They will just like, get on with it and, and do what they have to do because the whole group is doing that, you know, gym or a similar program. So there's no issues. I think that the younger age group, they a bit more open, obviously, because they are also in a new environment. So they're keen to learn and, and try. Whereas obviously you've been going through the whole academy. I think that the whole thing would change because at some point in every club uh, in, in Europe, you would have probably most of the players experiencing similar uh, philosophies or, or similar content in terms of the, the methods they use in, in the program. So it's not going to be a massive difference. And at the end of the day, it's more about the application and how the player works rather than the methods that we all use. Yeah, 100%. You talked before about some of the results that you've had within the programming. So I want to get into that a little bit, starting with the, the women's team. So what, what have been some factors that you've put in place or things that you've um, additions that you've made possibly and, and what have been some of the biggest results off the back of that? Um, I think, because I was quite naive, and, you know, when someone's telling you you can't do it, um, I always think I can. 
So the one of the things that was massive at the time, because everyone's talking about it, when I was going into ambulance, was always about the ACL injuries. So in, I think the season before, we had like two to four ACLs. And then, so I was thinking, okay, I'm going to be the first one who was going to prevent it. And I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not saying obviously that it was down to me, but we had a brilliant MDT team, including the coaches, everyone's open. But we had, um, across those four years that I was working with the women's team, we had no ACL at all. And we had players coming in to a club with ACL or maybe rehabbing. And we just put the, the care around the players, the program. Uh, and obviously the communication was brilliant. Um, and the coaches were co-op and to listen to what I had to say. And sometimes, obviously, if they thought that, you know, we could push them a bit more, then they would challenge what I was saying. Um, and then the well-being staff that we use also um, and the openness of the staff to, to listen to the players that help because sometimes when the players were coming in and reporting things, we would listen to it and we'll take a look board and just modify them sometimes. Um, so that, that created that great culture and their relationship with the players. Um, and also, obviously, I sometimes probably knew a bit more uh, from the players and the coaches. And I could sometimes speak to the coaches and say, listen, maybe that's not the best. Because when we actually talking about the sessions and they were talking about what they want to do on that day, I would think, OK, maybe this is not the best for this player today based on what she reported. Uh, so can you maybe swap the positions or maybe she could do maybe half of the drill or maybe join in um, later on in this drill? And they were, they were fine with it. And it was just a way of work because at the time they were not full-time or part-time. So obviously you have to account for the fact that most of them working the whole day and they're going into a, to a training session at very late at eight o'clock. So, you know, they would struggle to eat and obviously they will finish late as well and might struggle to fall asleep. Uh, yeah, so I think that was something, that was a good experience. And, um, and again, I think it was down to a, a good relationships and, and that's something that we built and openness with the coaches. Um, and then some mentors that had the round, uh, people who would challenge me uh, with regards to the, the stuff that I was doing. I think that's super important, isn't it? Having that cohesive MDT and the openness to, to challenge like that in a good way is definitely important. What other factors do you feel that you put in place that really impacted that? Because obviously that's quite a change, isn't it, to go across those seasons and not have a, an ACL? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was anything like very complicated. It was simple stuff around uh, the like pre-activation stuff that was just pre the warm up. So I would, because I would usually have half an hour with them, and then some of them would come earlier. So I would do a gym stuff as well, like very light sessions, focus around movement quality with a bit of, let's say, power, speed based stuff, um, and then in within the warm up. We'll, work on, uh, I mean, strength it would be, because some of them obviously wouldn't have time to, to come earlier because of the work commitment. So I would just do simple stuff around dynamic, dynamic stretching that you call, and obviously you would do a body weight movement that you could call so a strength for, for those who haven't got a gym exposure or haven't got any gym experience. And I was always fighting for extra, even getting a gym, an hour of the gym within the week. That happened obviously later on, and we see a massive improvement in terms of performance and, and even... Uh, the response after uh, those gym sessions in terms of soreness and and um, like let's say some uh, soft tissue injuries uh, we didn't have many but um, that just improved everything we even having an hour within the week for the players to do it um, 
and yeah, everything was around that pre-activation sessions, uh, the warm-up, and then speed development. Um, but because of only having a limited amount of time, I only focus on speed development. Um, so I, I say max V or accelerations, but because of obviously they're going into a session eight and they, they will be able to work more, uh, like develop, let's say the agility or the more specific uh, change direction movements through the game. So I didn't really want to spend too much time on, on that because of, say we've got a limited time. So let's let's just maybe try to, to improve that through the games and then focus on, let's say, acceleration and speed uh, by doing isolated stuff. And, then, and that seems also to, to work uh, very much and, and working through pre-season and progressing that we, we had a, but we managed to create 30 chances and players with our run and our sprint uh, the opposition because our goal was to, to, to get promotion into a, a championship at the time. Um, yeah, simple, simple solutions within the environment that was at that time um, and just focusing around like basic neuromuscular control, plyometrics, um, some motor control, like a simple body weight movement uh, within the gym um, and, and the mobility, uh, and which they always appreciate because like, oh, I'm feeling so tired after the whole day of work. So we just work on mobility for 10, 15 minutes, um, implementing some, let's say, body weight movement as well. And that felt very good in going into a session, so things like that. But just basically face feedback, listening to what they need. Uh, and then what I thought we did as well, and then just combining it all together and, and getting the feedback at the end of the season to thinking what, what else we can add. Uh, and always the main topic was nutrition, which uh, with our budget, something didn't help. And um, obviously stoppages at the petrol stations, but sometimes you, you struggle to find, a, a, let's say, a healthy options. I mean, it's probably better now than, than it was before, but yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. And then what about over on the boys' side? So we just talked there about the impact on the women's side, but in terms of the boys' side, what were some of the big standouts, the big results on that side? We've added loads of great content onto our online community recently, some great presentations covering a number of different topics. So force plate testing, evolution of sports science, pitch-based rehab, feedback strategies, reflective practices, medical processes, and so much more as well. So if you've not already checked out the community, if you've not already claimed your free month, which you can get when you sign up, go to footballfitfed.com, click the community tab, sign up there, it'll give you 30 days free. You can see exactly what the community is all about. After that 30 days, it's all only £4.99 per month going forward. And you also get access to our members WhatsApp group as well, where there's some great discussions that go down. The odd job opportunity comes up in there as well. Um, but some great conversations you get to connect with fellow members from right across the football world. So go and check it out. Footballfitfed.com. Click the community and then get yourself signed up there for your 30-day free trial. Here's part two of the podcast with Mickey. I think it was uh, around the... The rehab side side of it and then one addition probably focus on it was a speed development as well after after obviously COVID and listening to many talks and, and people um, just changing the philosophy around the gym I was trying to combine different philosophies from people from rugby uh, track and field and then martial arts and just seeing what you know what else uh, how that's going to make the, the program better and then just implement things into 
into our microcycle. Um, and then that was that was a quite a big learning for me um, because you know in terms of strength and being very robust, I think rugby players great example. Um, obviously, play, football players are much weaker. I don't I don't I'm not saying that you know you have to be like a rugby player, but I think you know there's lots of lessons from rugby coaches or SNC that you can take. And then in terms of speed, you're looking at obviously track and field. What are those you know, top guys doing, and how we can you know, modify our or add staff into our training program. And I look at Althees and Stuart McNeil. Um, you know, so I had a chance to to do an interview with Jonas and learn a lot from him. Um, in terms of endurance, like Martin Boucher staff, obviously, and and then also we could look at ultra endurance um, people or those people who work on on the speed side and see you know what what was gonna how what are we doing in terms of the conditioning side will influence the the speed as well because I, I wanted to find a way of working um, multi multiply um, um, like so let's say the, let's call them biomotor mobilities at the same time uh, and then I was trying to find out whether we can you know work on power strength and, and hypertrophy in some cases and then there's speed and what's the right right, right dose uh, that we can put in the program with the players and, and rehab was brilliant because you had you don't have to listen to the coach you can you can you have to work with you know the medical team and and other SNC or, or physios and then put the program for the player and then obviously towards the end of the rehab you starting to implement more football specific stuff and then talking to the coaches um obviously always interesting to find out whether what they're doing but there's a place for introducing speed early in the rehab where that is going to benefit the player later on so that was a massive massive learning curve for me and then also benefit benefit the players that were injured at the time because when they came back everyone was like oh what have you done with him that he looks brilliant um and he can you know he can run he can sprint and he's so strong as well and look athletic mm. um and that's only with like six weeks six to eight weeks but you know you've got that player one-to-one you can you can coach him you can put some educational materials for him whatever he asks you for you're there for him uh because obviously he wants to come back as quickly as possible um and then just yeah just basically trying new things based on what i've read listened to and the people i spoke um, and then see whether that's making the player better and whether, you know, we, when they transition back into a training, they can uh, maintain that performance and they're still progressing. And, and just on that rehab side of things, how much does data inform what you do? Um, I do use data, but I prefer common sense. Um, so obviously... As a player back then, uh, we only had certain reps and sometimes we use heart rate monitors. Um, obviously, it's good to have a data to, to back up your decision sometimes when you're not sure about things. But by working with, at the time, he was my mentor um, and he was he was 30 to 40. You already had like 30 to 40 years of experience. Um, I'm talking about the head of, of, of medical at the time. And he would assess the player and tell me, listen, this is what I want him. Obviously, we had a, we would have a framework and a long-term plan to work from. But he would tell me, this, this is what you can do today based on what my assessment. And obviously, I would listen to him because, you know, he's done so many rehabs that he knows what the players are able probably to tolerate on that day. So then, okay, I would create a plan. Okay, this is what I think we can do based on what you said. Uh, and this is the things that I might think about probably, you know, adding into the top program if you're okay with it, just to challenge whether, you know, we can progress in further. 
And it was like, okay, do this first and see whether he's responding well. And then based on that, we'll progress. Obviously, we didn't have live data at the time. Um, so it would be more based on, you know, just certain reps and, and distances of pitch lengths um, just to calculate potentially what they could players go. And I remember, you know, and obviously I, I didn't find the answer. I'm not sure whether that's wrong, right or wrong, but uh, you look at the graphs and they're all nice. But at the time when I was doing and, and trying to find new solutions and probably push the players a bit more, I had a player doing four and a half thousand K of high speed running. Okay, someone could say, oh, that's too much, but that's purely because of we've done some isolated uh, stuff. So obviously that was with some more work as well in football specific drills, but some of it, it was through some isolated work. And if I speak to the player, it was fine after the training session. And after that, you would go and say into, obviously there was a progression into it, um, would start probably at six, one K or two and, a, two and a half because of the intensity of those drills. Uh, done early on in, in rehab and he would reach his PBs in terms of max speed pretty much every session um, and he would recover really well there would be no soreness no issues around hammies he felt like you know like a machine we built a great great um, capacity around his calves hamstrings uh, groin and, and other muscles and and he was just just flying uh, and when he came back he was the same on the pitch he was just a, a different player um, that's why Obviously, there's one side of, you know, being informed by the numbers, uh, but I don't like to be led by them. Um, and I like to check things if I'm not sure. Uh, but there is a simple way of pro progressing things in a, in, a, in a simple way that probably makes sense to everyone. And you don't need numbers to, to inform those issues, especially with the class where, you know, there's less, less technology. And that, 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 that's why I had to develop at the time because... You know, sometimes we didn't have access to to um, to those monitoring or assessment tools um, because it was not enough stuff as well sometimes. So, you know, we have to find a, a quick, a simple solutions. And yeah, that that's something that worked. And, and yeah, players came back and had no issues as well. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. With that in mind, like, obviously, that, that's a huge part of, data, I suppose, in itself, isn't it? Those conversations with a player and discussing their reactions after after hard days like that. Um, have you had experience with, obviously, there's, play, there's going to be players that that fits perfectly for because they're going to give you a lot of feedback. They're going to be really honest with you. Have you had the opposite of that, where players... Maybe yeah, so, so obviously, you've got players um, with a bit different mindset and... Um, you know, with some, you can probably do a bit more isolated stuff and they are right with just, you know, running. But some of them will just moan about, oh, why, why I'm not doing stuff with the ball. So obviously there's a way of, you know, working with both, both guys. And I was always keen to, okay, let me think about it and I'll come up with, with drills that, you know, will be, let's say, position specific to a point and also we'll hit those targets that we want to do and also make you better from the physical point of view. Um, yeah, so there were some that, you know, I couldn't put together uh, if they had, let's say, a similar injuries or a similar, um, similar phase in terms of the, the reputation. Because uh, sometimes, you know, because of, you know, limitations in terms of the staff numbers, you, you might have to take two players that are similar stage and but different injuries. Uh, and they might have a different gym programs, but um, in terms of the pitch side, they're probably at the same stage. And so, yeah, you had to, you had to come up with, Different drills and and uh, and that was that was something different. I had to to um, to learn as well. Um, 
I wanted to say something, but I forgot what, what was it. <laughs> Well, I was just going to say on that because it does come down to the, the personality of the player, doesn't it? And how open yeah. they are. Because I mean, if they're giving you that feedback and they're not they're not get, answering the questions that you're putting across to them, it's very important, isn't it? And I suppose that's where data can come into things a little bit more. Whereas when you're talking about that environment, I'm guessing that player was very interactive. You had a good relationship with them and then data just sort of backed up what you were doing. Um, yeah, definitely. So, and yeah. also... Because of my background, obviously we were doing a lot of stupid stuff back then when when I was training, and we do crazy, crazy trainings. Like you know, probably if you speak to some of the coaches that been in the Premier League maybe 10, 15 years ago, they would go through the same methods, and that's why I used to uh, we used to do as a, as a young player back in Poland in terms of conditioning. Um, so when someone's telling me based on numbers, because we didn't have numbers back then, that you know the players can't do it. I mean, everyone here is a human being, so if I was able to do it. 10, 15 years ago, I can definitely, you know, the limits are higher than what we think they are. Mm. It's just about the progressive overload and, you know, building that player to be able to withstand those those loads anyway. Um, and not just, you know, microdosing them or just managing all the time, which I don't like. Um, I think by looking at some of the philosophy that, you know, see if you go to clubs, some of them I really like because of um, how challenging they are for the players and even... Speaking, uh, speaking to my brother when he's at Leeds at the moment and his experience, uh, obviously the philosophy is built so, and how intense they were. You know, obviously you, you can push the players and uh, if they believe in something, they're obviously going to go with it. Um, so there is there is the other side. And we just had a chat with Carly uh, Grimm's um, Paralympian. Um, and, you know, the stuff she went through is just a powerful message to the boys. You know, no funding effect on the head. On the only thing she had it was just upper body, and she was training three, four hours. Mm. You know, so sometimes it might be very, very tough, but it's about the mindset and you know how how hard you can go, and how 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 hard do you want it to be a footballer? Because you might you might not understand what it takes to be a professional footballer. Obviously, a lot of those players might might be released at some point, and it's just the nature of the industry that we are in. But if you give 100% from yourself, you know, you've got a better chance of, of being in that zero zero one percent It's also just digging out, because I'm sure you've experienced it as, many, as well as many others, that you just have a few freaks of nature in squads, don't you? Yeah, you just definitely. take so much, so much pounding on the body and not react the same way as many others. So it's discovering those as well, isn't it? I think it's actually, um, I remember about, one of the keepers and I was I was embarrassed by it because he smashed our speed testing uh, he was the quick he was the quickest in team and then our keeping coach said oh suck this and see you see I'm the best <laughs> in the academy <laughs> obviously because of the amount of volume that he's done with them and because yeah. they got less volume and the amount of player metrics they've done it obviously he was quite springy um, he wasn't the, the strongest in the gym um, but he was quick yeah, it's different profiles, um, and I, now that's that's why I was thinking. Okay, you know, maybe with some players, we actually don't have to, we don't have to do certain stuff, and they might benefit from different things depending on the profile that they are. Um, There's definitely lessons in there somewhere, isn't there? To, yeah, and that was the case with him. He, he wasn't the strongest, but he was he was the quickest, and uh, he was could pretty agile for his position as a goalkeeper as well. And that's probably what what you want. Um, you could save you could save your games as well. So 
Yeah, brilliant. Ricky, I want to move on to some of the quick fires that we finished the podcast with. Um, So first one being, you've mentioned a few names of people already that you've sort of taken quite a bit of influence from, but are there any others or or you can repeat the same sort of names, but who have been some of the biggest influences on your career so far? I mean, recently, I think it was Brown Downing um, uh, because of, let's say, the hat chats I had with him. Um, I feel like he was my, you know, a very old friend. (laughs) <laughs> despite the fact that we actually never met together uh, so yeah just having those chats I think in terms of like him being able to listen to, to my issues that I had uh, it's just yeah it's just an unbelievable person and I'll yeah I'll be forever grateful for the chats we had um, and then recently Dan House as well I had a chat with him um, obviously there's loads of people that I'm quite um, thankful for the experiences and and uh, the notes that they shared. Um, I could, there's loads of names because of the materials and educational resources that they shared with me. Um, yeah, that's. And then some people that are probably not with us anymore, and through the books that I've read, that were they were very promotional as well. Um, yeah, Jonas as well. Uh, he was a massive influence for me. Um, and then the head of performance as well that um, I had a chance to work with. Um, he's not, not at the club anymore, but he also, he's, um, he's, uh, he's about, his health is not great as well at the time. So, yeah, there's someone that um, kind of was always there to challenge me and, and listen. And, yeah, I will never forget that. Um, and then... In terms of like a general staff, I would say people who create, uh, like for example, Robert Pacey, uh, he is doing a, a great staff with, with his platform and uh, the staff that he shares. You, Ben, as well, with a podcast and bring guests from, from different backgrounds. It's just, um, I think, even if, because I, I don't consider myself an expert, but even if you got something to say and, and it's a different, maybe different different opinion, different experience, there's always something into it that you can, you can even, let's say, if you look at them, um, let's say even that this is not an art, right? It's a, it's a stadium. But if you look at the, at a picture, um, and obviously if you will talk to the artist, you will notice different things. But personally, I will have a different opinion, different experience about it. But it still, doesn't mean that um, he's got less of a meaning. Um, it's just maybe um, not as deep as someone who was in that. Um, industry or in that role yeah um, it's a bit like zooming out and seeing maybe less details but maybe a different perspective so I always um, always um, look for for um, for different experiences and, and, and different um, different people to share share that with um, and I think that's now that's how I change because I'm, when I'm going to conferences and I'm not going to listen to presentations, that's not, because most of them is just similar stuff and everyone's pretty much talking about the same things. Um, just different contexts within their clubs. It's more about listening to that personal stories that people have got to tell you yeah. and issues that have been dealing with on a daily basis because you, you can't get that. You know, sometimes if you look at the presentation, everyone's trying to make a very good impression about you know, what they do in the club, but actually that's not, that's not real life. We know that there is something behind it and always 
you know, you might you might try and show that perfect program, but that's not the case because you you we are working with humans, and you know, sometimes they go a bad day, or you know, you might have a disagreement with the coach or somewhere else within the club or department, and the perfect perfect what is up there on the you know you see that on the display, but actually what's behind it, the closed doors and actually speak to the person by their experiences is actually more to it. So I prefer to just talk to people. And actually sometimes you might hear about things that are not published uh, that someone's working on. And it's very interesting, especially those people at the top who are you know, director of performance or, uh, or even some, you know, someone who's starting their career and is very curious about a certain topic that you might, you, you might, might have something to share with you because he's very invested in that that specific area of, of let's say sports science SME or whatever uh, industry we're talking about. I always say that on the podcast to the guests, like give your story because I think there's so much more power in that. We can talk about the technical side of the job and there's going to be a few little intricacies that we might be able to take from each other. But overall, a lot of people are doing very similar, similar work, aren't they? And I think you're right, like getting yeah. that personal story and um that personal side of each person's career that's where that's where you can learn the most lessons so no i fully agree um mickey what would you say your biggest strength is as a practitioner i would say i'm very adaptable yeah <laughs> because of the uh the industry we're in um obviously with the surprises on, on that of the you know a daily uh, reality of of working in a football club you know you might set up something and it's like oh sorry we changed the plan because of this and that that happened um yeah so that's probably one of my strengths and obviously curiosity to just um i always want to be the best in what i'm doing so trying to find out about new methods and and people who are the best in what they're doing and to learn from them um and yeah i usually very quiet um so i'd rather let others talk and, and listen to what they've got to say and then pick some stuff from them. Um, if I got, if I think I've got enough uh, experience and I've used some stuff, then I might try to, to say something, but uh, yeah, that's, that's probably it. And then Chris, in terms of learning new cultures, mm. um, new languages as well. Um, and I think that kind of also influences the way you think, because as soon as you go to a different country, um, the way you express yourself is different to the way you would express yourself in your own language. Um, so I, I don't know how to put it in, but obviously I don't want to sound like I'm a psychopath, but it's basically um, you will be different in a different language. You might, in some languages, you might be more confident. You might feel like you're a bit more cheerful and you feel a bit more happier by the way you express yourself in that language. In some languages, like we all sound when you when you talk to a Polish, Ukrainian, or Russian person, they sound very cold or you know like a strong um, person, um, or you know maybe sometimes become rude uh, because of the background. But I guess it depending on 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 the background as well, the person, and that's that's where you know when you have got someone coming in from a different country, because uh, I've been in a position where I was lost and. Um, and obviously didn't know what to do when I came here at the beginning. I was trying to reach out to different people when, and obviously there was a lot of good people that wanted to help me out and, and be successful as well. Um, and, and they 
they would have different experiences. Um, I say with Polish people, obviously there's a lot of stereotype and some of them, some of the experiences were, were very tough for me. And at the beginning, I was trying to learn the accent as well. Obviously, I still got accent, but it was more to kind of, that's maybe sound bad, but I don't want to fit in into a, let's say, fit into a community or, or workers that doesn't make sense to, uh, but sometimes to get rid of, you know, certain maybe untouched situations. You, you don't want to experience it because you want to be able to focus on what you what you want to do here. And obviously because of your background, sometimes that people doesn't like it or whatever. So. Yeah, no, I, I think that's brilliant. I think it's a great um, indication and sort of insight into your story, isn't it? Like what we just touched on, like some of the yeah. things that you've gone through. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of coaches as well in a similar sort of position. Like a lot, I was actually having the conversation yesterday that as as English, British people, we get quite lazy with languages. We don't, we don't, we don't bother to learn. And like me and myself fit into that category and, I couldn't relate to what you're talking about because um, yeah. we, we've not gone out, educated ourselves, put ourselves in position or me personally, I know other people have. Um, so no, I appreciate you. I appreciate you sharing that. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that relate to that as well. Um, yeah. Mickey, the, the other one, the other question I ask is in terms of um, advice for yourself. So if you were to go back five, six, maybe seven years before you got the job um, at the club, what would be your top bit of career advice for yourself? I think because um, I've, I've tried to immerse myself probably too much into the S&C sports science stuff and I probably forgot about the life as well. Um, so having a better balance in terms of, you know, because at some point you, you find yourself in a difficult position where, you know, a lot of your friends just moved into different things because you were so focused on certain stuff that, you know, the people that were your friends maybe are not your friends anymore because... I mean, those who are true friends, obviously, they will be always there, but those that you thought would be there, they're no longer there because, you know, obviously you decided that, you know, this is what you're going to focus on. And I'm not saying that um, that was a better thing, but um, I think having that better balance and now we're looking at probably also that they're going to implement not when we speak to the players and educate them about that's you know sleep and, and nutrition and and having the balance between what you're doing here and waiting out there i think that's also important for us as a practitioners to just keep ourselves healthy um in a, you know, with a relatively good mental health and, and you know having a mind and still in the game because you get you can get to a point where you're just going to bail yourself out and you feel like, oh, this is probably no longer for me because, you know, I'm not feeling it. And I'm feeling like there's loads of pressure comes from different different places, whereas, you know, you could you could probably prevent that by just actually taking care of it early on. And I think what, um, I think it's Josh doing it at the moment with Kawada um, Dan as well, Collaborate Sports, and actually talking about it. Um, it's pretty, pretty, um, pretty good. Because obviously we got a lot of pressure from the clubs, and um, and I think with a uh, with the head of performance who came in as well to our club, it was quite good in terms of you know um, trying to find that balance between um, the work and and also the normal life, and he understand it. 
Um, so he put less pressure on that and, and he wants us to be humans as well. And obviously he knows that we've got partners. So, you know, that, that's something that um, I think is key. 100%. Yeah, I fully agree with that. And anyone's not listened to the podcast with Dan and also Josh and John Noonan um, and just checking out their work. I think some of the stuff from that is just around your values, isn't it? Like when, when they talk about defining personal and professional values, again, myself talking from my perspective, that's not necessarily a question that I've, I've answered before, honestly. So I think it's really important for coaches to put that to themselves and start thinking about that, isn't it? It's, it's a yeah. really key question. I, I remember when I was starting and I will work, I will do the uni and then go into an internship and go and work. And then the whole day basically was around like just this, it was a tough time, but I would be proud for not sleeping and maybe sleeping three or four hours yeah. a night. And I'm thinking this was stupid. Like how could you do that to yourself? Because after a year, I would not forget it. I would forget everyone's name. So I feel like oh, this this is this is wrong. Like I'm 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 not not sure what's going on, but I would have a conversation with someone and then straight after a minute I'll forget what I was talking about. Yeah. And I couldn't do anything about it because I'm not I was not sleeping. So I got to a state where obviously I was I was still leaving and I was like, oh I probably pushed myself to it would be a great case study um to see you know where I was in terms of my you know biomarkers and stuff like that. But obviously I, I didn't have enough sleep and uh, I think it was, I get to a point where it was around Christmas time. I went up north to see my brother and his family and I would not sleep for two days. Mm. I was thinking, what is going on with me? Like, this is not normal. I need to change it. Uh, and it basically what happened is like, I was just pushing myself to reach something, but it wasn't healthy. Mm. Uh, and now I'm thinking, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get to this point. Obviously you're aspiring to, to get to a place where, you know, it's in a way it was a dream for me uh, at some point I realized maybe it could be a goal it doesn't have to be a dream um but it's just crazy amount of hours where you're working for different jobs you got uni uh, and then you're just cycling from place to place um despite the exhaustion you feel like oh I'm, I'm gonna do it one day it will come it will come and and when it finally comes it's like okay now what can I do to make it better um to get more sleep and because of that also I've lost some relationships because people say things to me and I wouldn't I would forget about it or I'll feel very bad about you know going to my friends and I would not remember their names hmm. I'm like this is crazy like, and then some some of my friends actually said to me listen there's something wrong with you because you're looking like you keep checking around things so I think at the time my, my body was already like in this in this phase where like constantly alert obviously there is a danger coming because i wasn't sleeping so um so i was probably not not in the best condition and they said to me like you you look there's something wrong with you because you keep looking around like you know you're looking for something to happen or there's something dangerous going on i was like okay that's that's that's, that's good that you're saying to me because i i thought everything's okay right yeah. obviously i'm not sleeping normally but um so that that's that's something that you know, obviously, when we, we talk to players and you think that you, that's going to have a massive um, impact on the, let's say, injury risk, uh, maybe that's the case. But obviously, actually, I was training hard and I was doing other stuff and I never had an injury because I was listening to my body. So I, I knew when I had to go and maybe forget about something, I would just go to sleep uh, or maybe I would drop the intensity of things that I was doing. Obviously, I'm not an uh, athlete, um, more like a recreational one. 
now, but it was still something, you know, that I had an ability to listen to, to my body. And I think that's something that is important also for the players to, to, uh, to consider and, and something that we should be educating them so they got that skill at the end. And, and, and you know, when they go in and transition to the first team, they can actually take care of themselves with whether it's around nutrition, sleep and recovery, or maybe just modifying the training where obviously you've got time, but sometimes, you know, it's worth modifying it regardless of what you plan. Yeah, that's, that's brilliant. I think I think it's so important. I think the other way of looking at it is if we saw players treating themselves in that kind of way, a lot of coaches will, we'd act on it or we'd yeah. at least give some sort of advice, wouldn't we, in that scenario. Same with a friend. And I suppose that's what people have done in your situation. It's There'll be a lot of coaches that, if they're truthful with themselves, will resonate with that, um, yeah. which is why the work that Josh and, and Dan and John are doing is so valuable I think because it's it's just really pulling on awareness for that side on coach health um Nikki just final final thing is around CPD like what is your approach to CPD how do you go about continually progressing as a practitioner um so before I would say I would go to everything that you had in place <laughs> I'm like yeah I'm I've heard about this guy from podcast. This guy wrote this paper. I'm like, yeah, I want to go and see him. Uh, and then literally, I would just go to everything that you had. If I had, uh, if it was if it was free, it's even better. If I had money, then I'll go and you know pay for it. Um, sometimes I would just ask if you know there's something that I could do for that, that person, and you know go and attend for free. Most of the time, because I, at the time I was working, uh, it was pretty flexible, so I could actually listen to podcasts. So every day I would actually sit down and listen to Pacey Performance or your podcast or any other podcast that was out there. If there was someone that I was interested in because he was doing this type of training, this type of, you know, this he that experience in, in this area of research or, or, or science or maybe some business stuff or personal development, I would listen to that person. Uh, when I had obviously more time to do more studying, I would read books and uh, the people, I, I've got a pretty big library now like people just think I'm crazy because I, you know, spent um, some time reading the, those books. And I just thought like, you know, if, if I'm going to make it, I need to invest in myself. And then that, that was the way, but now my approach changed and I rather actually talk to people. And, and if there is someone there, let's say if I've got a problem with something, I would try to find a podcast first mm. or a book around this topic. And then once I read that, then I've got to the person and if I haven't found a solution yet within that book or podcast or whether they haven't mentioned what I was looking for, uh, then I might just contact them yeah. or I might just uh, find, I mean, look for more from somewhere else. Um, and that's, that's how I work. Or I would just speak to my friends um, that work in let's say different leagues and they got a different philosophy um, because obviously through work here in Watford, um, you met a lot of, I met a lot of um, people from different countries uh, and obviously we had a chance to through going into conferences also meet some other people so that, that's how I do it um, I think now I could look into more stuff around leadership or reflective stuff and uh, probably business as well um, that's, that's why I'm interested because I'm at that stage where you know, um, I'm thinking about what's next, um, what will be the next step for me and how I can 
you know, potentially make myself better. Um, and then maybe uh, some mentoring as well. Uh, but that will be depending on, you know, what will happen in the future. Yeah, brilliant. I think that's definitely the case. Like you, where you focus your energy and your reading and your study on does change and progress, doesn't it, over yeah. your career on what you sort of focus on, which is funny. And But I agree with what you were talking about before as well, like clocking up those hours, even though it seems silly now and getting the nights with no sleep and all the rest of it, a time in your career, you do just have to be that sponge, don't you? You have to go around and just take it as much as possible. Yeah. But when you start to progress, that's when you've got to be more, you've got to take more of that sniper approach and really decide on what we're going to do, what's going to be most efficient with your time as well. So, no, Mickey, that was absolutely quality, mate. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you very much. Just before I let you go, I need a prediction on the World Cup. Who's going to win it? <laughs> okay. Um, I would say Poland and England in the final. Oh, there we go. There we go. Well, there, we are recording this just after Argentina have been beaten as well. So that's why yeah. we're beaten. So, yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. All right. Poland England final. Don't know if that can happen, can it? But no, no, no. I'd definitely not. I mean, <laughs> um, I hope England will do well. I think in terms of Poland, um, I'm not sure about, you know, if they turn up, they turn up, then we'll do well. And then for me, I haven't seen Brazil yet, but hopefully Brazil can do well as well. I think everyone's the squad they got. Yeah, everyone's waiting to see them, aren't they? See that? See <laughs> they live up to expectation. But now, Mickey, top man, thank you very much for coming on, mate. If anyone wants to reach out to you, by the way, with questions or just get into a conversation about anything that we've touched on, where would you direct them to go? Uh, so I'm on Twitter. Uh, things Pudak Mickey, and you can also find me on Instagram. Uh, it's Mickey Pudak, or I've got also a business site which is called Science Plus Football. And you can check that out as well. Top man. Thank you very much for your time. Thank Cheers. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to episode 214 of the Football Fitness Federation podcast. As always, if you've not left us a review, please head over to Spotify and click the five stars. And also over onto iTunes, just click the five stars and just leave us a short written review. Once you've done that, screenshot it and send it to mail at footballfitfed.com. And as a little thank you, I'll send you out a free copy of one of our ebooks as well. But a big thank you as well to Mickey for coming on the podcast. I think there's loads of great takeaways on this episode. I think some of the, the early stuff he spoke around was the, the fact that we work with people. That's some of the really important aspects of the work that we do. And a lot of the conversation that we actually got into was around dealing with people. And then... I sort of brought up the phrase that strong strong views loosely held, and that's what I've titled the podcast. I think that's important, the important approach to, approach to take as a coach. Like you can develop a philosophy, you can develop your views and your ways of working, but also be open-minded enough to look into other ways of working and, and be adaptable as well, which is one of obviously one of the key things that Mickey spoke about as, as being a positive and strength of his. He spoke about the importance of MDT cohesion as well, especially within the rehab process, and that being something that was really key in terms of getting the injury record down with the with the ladies team as well, and also the just the common sense approach to data. I think there are some factors around what we talked about that it does depend on the player that you're working with, the feedback that you get from them. If you've got a player that's very 
um, that they can sort of give you the right amount of information that you need, then that's great. But there's also probably going to be circumstances that you don't and you probably need to pull on the data a little bit more. So I think that's really important. And then finally, everything that Mickey spoke around coach health, life balance, I think it's so, so important. If you've not already listened to the podcast episodes with Dan Howells and also with Josh Fletcher and John Noonan, go back and listen to those because there's some real key information in those and also give the guys a follow because they've got some great resources out and also coming out very soon as well um, all around that. So if it's something that you feel like you need to delve into, which I think relates to absolutely everybody, make sure you go and check those guys out. And you can link up with Mickey over on social media. He's on Twitter. If you search at P-U-J-D-A-K underscore Mickey, which is M-I-K-I, um, you'll find him on Twitter. And also it's just his name over on Instagram. So M-I-K-I-P-U-J-D-A-K over on Instagram. So go and give him a follow over on social media and I'm sure he'd be happy to get involved in any sort of conversations around any of, this, and any of the areas that he's discussed in the podcast as well. But as always, thank you very much for your support. I really appreciate it. We've got some really top guests coming soon on the podcast, so make sure you keep an eye out for those. And I will speak to you again next week in episode 215.